take a moment and say that. Well, good morning, Strong Tower. We are using this um, sermon format in a different way today. Paul told the church in Thessalonica that he was delighted not only to share the gospel, but to share his life as well. And so today we are allowing um, a beautiful family in our church to share the gospel through their life story. And this really um, sort of came all about uh, two Sundays ago at our soul food luncheon after church. For those who missed it, I will tell you, you missed one of the highlights of the year. Um, we only do it once a year, so you're going to have to wait another year. But um, we had great table fellowship, and then there was just a little bonus fellowship that happened at another table. One of our elders, Paul Revere, came up to Paul, and they began this amazing conversation about their experiences in South Africa um, with Nelson Mandela. And so um, as Pastor Jerry entered into that conversation, and it just, it was invigorating. Um, it was like they went beyond the soul food at the table, and then they, they created this table of grace and this graceful conversation, and it was amazing. And so Pastor Jerry talked to Chris about it, and they said, we need to allow our entire body to benefit from this conversation, not just let those who are at the table enjoy it. And so for those who do not know who these two individuals are, I want to take a moment and introduce them to you. Larry is the president of Leadership International, which equips Christ-like leaders to fulfill God's mission. And those leaders are served through classroom training, coaching, and through capital. And um, in certain areas around the world, um, some of these leaders, these pastors, are serving with little training, and they're also serving in extremely difficult circumstances, like terrorism, um, HIV, AIDS, that has just gone through their communities. They have unstable governments, and, and they're still leading their congregations with their limited resources. And so Leadership International strategically helps develop church leaders who use their training to invest into their congregations, and in turn, those congregations are investing into the communities. Um, the Warrens have spent um, 12 of their last 25 years living in Africa, um, and they've started other educational organizations as well, and um, they fundraise for over 100 development projects um, all over the world. And, um, and Larry, I'm going to let you tell us more about the specifics of what you all do. Um, and then Mary, who's the better half of their duo, for 38 years. Amen. Um, amen. That's right. Good husband. Mary um, and Larry together have four wonderful sons, Ed and his wife, Amanda, Paul, Josh, and Johnny. And um, they lived in, as I said, in Africa, Cape Town in Nairobi, Kenya, um, and they're currently on home assignment. And Mary has two master's degrees in psychology and in Christian studies. She is happy to be one year cancer-free and thanks us for praying that for her. Amen. Amen. And we were blessed as a body to pray Mary through um, that um, that struggle, and we continue to pray for you. We are grateful for you being a, a living testimony of the power of God and the power of, of a praying church community. Um, she was the director of the Regional Intervention Program for Sumner County Mental Health. She was on the board treasurer for Jacaranda Women's Empowerment Group in Nairobi, Kenya. She taught English conversation at New Dawn Center, a high school in Huruma, Kenya, and was a substitute teacher at Rosalind Academy in Nairobi, Kenya. She served as a crisis counselor in North Carolina and a therapist in Williamson County. 
and hopes to begin counseling work with Dr. Ebony Webb and Kairos Mental Health in the spring. So that's a little bit of background about these two beautiful people. And um, part of our church's vision is to experience, explain, and expand God's diverse kingdom in the city and throughout the world. And so today is an opportunity for us to hear how God's kingdom is flourishing around the world. And so, Larry, um, you bring us up to speed. Bring us into, as if we were at that soul food luncheon, bring us into that conversation that um, you gentlemen were having about South Africa. Well, of course, we were first talking about the food. Uh, <laughs> actually, Clifton and I had just been talking about uh, missions and uh, sat down, and uh, Jerry came and joined us, and then Paul Revere came over. Some of you may not know about his political background, but he said, hey, Larry, I've been wanting to ask you, what was it like when your family was living in South Africa? Weren't you there when Mandela was elected? And I said, yes, we actually were. And so we just about finished eating, and I said, now, Paul, you know I don't have any short stories. <laughs> so if you really want to know, then get comfortable. If you don't, let's, I'll see you later. <laughs> so he said, come on, let's hear it. Uh, so, yeah, I'll, I'll just say, start by saying, I think two, two things that surprised Paul and Jerry and Clifton were that when Paul asked me about the dangers of living in South Africa, um, I said, well, you know, the, the fear and the struggle for us started before we ever went to South Africa. It wasn't actually that scary to be there during the election, even though the year before, well, it marriage Blinken, not like, well, maybe it was kind of scary. Uh, but We're see, opposites. Yeah, 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 you're going to find out more about that right now. But uh, <laughs> So, you know, when we decided to go to South Africa, we've been praying about it a lot. I started, I moved to South Africa until I was 40. So there, you know, you've got plenty of time to get involved in worldwide missions. And... Uh, Mary said, you, you sure we ought to go? She, she just heard on the, uh, on the, on the radio that a, um, a country club had been bombed in South Africa. This is like the month before we're going to move there. And I said, honey, don't worry about that. She said, why? I said, because we've never been a member of a country club. Though <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, we, we get there in 93, and six months later, our own church was attacked by terrorists. During the service, people like it'd be like the people came in that door right there with AK-47s. That was July of '93, and the election went until '94, and so it got so bad that at the end of '93 we came back to the U.S. And Mary was six months pregnant with our third son, and so I said, "All right, we're just gonna stay here because Henry Kissinger's just been in South Africa. He does not predict a peaceful election." So we're going to stay here until our third son is born, and then we'll see, about, see what the Lord has about whether we go back or not. So then, about December, Mary said she had a different opinion. So why don't you take it from there? So um, I had, I was, of course, pregnant, as he said, and I was feeling like, uh, we had prayed about it and prayed about it, and like I said, we're opposite, so what the Lord was telling me, he was not telling Larry, and I felt um, 
secure and confident that God wanted us to go back to South Africa. And what I was feeling was that our new ministry was as pregnant as I was. And I do not believe in abortion, and I did not want to abort our ministry. So I felt like uh, we should go back. And Larry threw out a fleece. He said, well, if three of your girlfriends and their husbands agree that we should go back, then uh, we'll go back. So he was sure one of my girlfriends would say, don't go back. And I thought, hey, we went to our pastor and his family. And I, I, I mean, Mark Fox and, and Cindy, his wife, had five kids. She'd never even been out of the country. I said, there's no way she's going to send a pregnant woman to a war zone. So I was like, we're not going. But if it, you need some confirmation, then let's do that. Let's pick, pick somebody else, a couple more friends. So I didn't want to go is the point. <laughs> I think we can all understand that. Yeah. yeah. Go ahead. Um, so, so we went. <laughs> <laughs> so God gave confirmation through those three yeah. couples, yeah. which is powerful that you allowed the Lord to confirm what God was putting in your heart by leaning into community that you had. And you said that you had these three couples come over three nights in a row. They did not know each other was coming. They did not know that you were going to ask this. And all three confirmed, yes, we believe that God is calling you all to go. Which is, that is powerful in and of itself, leaning into community like that and letting the Lord speak through these people that you trusted. That's right. So our, our parents didn't agree. My, my father started getting really angry at Larry, and he had to say, hey, it's not that me. That ain't me, man. I don't want to go. <laughs> So we felt like it was the Holy Spirit leading. Um, we have a friend who says, sometimes the Holy Spirit's voice sounds a lot like my wife. Yeah, I was afraid she'd say that. <laughs> but that was definitely the case then. I was afraid. I wasn't afraid when we went the first time, but after some things that happened for six months, when I got back, I thought, I ain't going back. And then I was shocked when she announced the ministry's pregnant like I am, and then I thought, okay, let's get some confirmation from the body, and I really had no idea. I, every night, three nights in a row, I, I thought, I can't believe this. But we went, and the Lord blessed tremendously. We had been recruiting students, pastors to train, and the classes were supposed to start in January. I thought there might be 40 or 50 uh, pastors that would show up. 150 showed up. And this is the same training, very similar to what you have an opportunity to get right here at Strong Tower. The Apollos training is similar. Chris went to Africa with me a couple times, and uh, he said, man, this, should, this shouldn't just be for pastors in Africa. This should be to anybody who desires to be a church leader. And so it went from 150 to 500 to 5,000 to 13,000. And, and so the for us, the fear, we fought that battle before the election, and thank the Lord, uh, Mary, uh, listen to me. So I'm going to read the scripture. Now, I don't remember specifically that this is what we, the scripture we prayed over, but this is what we came up today that we're going to share with you. <laughs> Joshua 1.9, have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous, do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged, 
for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. So as we continued in this amazing story, which in and of itself is so much for us to unpack and to ponder, Larry, you were also talking about the acts of the Holy Spirit behind the scenes with leading up to that election, which those of us who were alive or who remember, who read about it in our history books go, wow, what an amazing moment for South Africa, for the world. But you all saw the acts of the Holy Spirit behind the scenes and what God was doing. Share some of that with us. Yeah, yeah, that's a, now I wore this vest to inspire you. This is a Kenyan wildlife service vest. This is when you're going on safari. And I want to encourage you that if you follow the Lord, you're going on a great adventure. And the, the acts of the Holy Spirit you get to see when you're willing to go. I don't care if it's downtown or it's across the world. And some of the things that were revealed to us were so amazing. I'll tell you some of the acts of the Holy Spirit now. But I first want to say the reason that verse was so important to us in Joshua is our son that Mary was pregnant with, she went, flew back seven or eight months pregnant. And Joshua, we named him Joshua, was born on the 10th anniversary of my brother's death, March the 1st. Just a month before the election. And it was three weeks early. So even the grief I had every year at that time, the Lord redeemed even that. And so the Lord is with us in the details and in the big picture of a man like Nelson Mandela that went from prison to president. And the backstory you can get this if you if you really want to get in the the detail is is there's a book called uh, a witness forever by michael cassidy michael's a friend of mine he started a ministry called african enterprise and he was involved in the logistics of what happened when henry kissinger left he came to try to get the two biggest tribes together see mandela is not from the biggest tribe he's from what's called the causa tribe that's x h o s a they say it with a click that i can't really do very well that's the second biggest tribe. But the biggest tribe is the Zulus. And when the election was coming, this is going to be the first time anybody but white people going to get to vote. And so you'd think all the Africans are going to vote together. But there's tribalism. And King Mangasutu Butelezi said, we will not be ruled by a causa. They don't care what it, if Mandela who it is. He said, we're the majority tribe. We'll start our own country, Zululand. And so there are going to be two wars. The white people are going to fight the, the Africans. And then we Zulus, we're going to secede from the country. So it didn't look good. So when all the international peacekeepers left, what most people don't know is one stayed. Henry Kissinger's uh, assistant is a man from Kenya with a Ph.D. from Harvard. And his name was Washington Okomo. And he stayed when Kissinger left. And Michael Cassidy started these meetings that very few people knew about between King Mangasutu Butelezi and Mandela and even de Klerk, who was the president, who let Mandela out. And he was an Afrikaner. You know, they, they got the Nobel Peace Prize together, Mandela and de Klerk. And what happened was just three weeks before the election, 
when things were really tense, Mary can tell you what her Bible study conversations were about. Well, my lady's Bible study, every um, week we would meet and have the Bible study, but the topic of conversation was what do you have packed in your bag by the door? What's your, your to-go bag? And what route are you taking when the war starts? That was what we talked about every week for, for months. Yeah. So when I see security here, I just had diapers in my bag. Yeah, she. That's, that's all we needed. We had diapers. <laughs> diapers and duct tape. And I, I <laughs> and I, I was, I kept thinking I'm going to make a plane reservation. And then when I finally called to try to get a reservation out that day, there weren't any planes going that day. Uh, so we stayed, but we had the peace of the Lord. And and so what happened was just three weeks before the election. Uh, King Butelezi of the Zulus announces he's going to run for president. There already was a prediction that Mandela was going to get 80% of the vote. He was going to be the president. There was going to be a war. In fact, the day of the election, the Afrikaners extremists blew the roof off the Johannesburg airport. So the day didn't start well. But what happened was Butelezi decided, with the encouragement of some friends, I'm going to run for president. We're not going to secede. There's not going to be a civil war. We will submit because Mandela said, I'll put you in my cabinet. I trust you, listen to this, as a Christian brother. That's the Holy Spirit. And so Butelezi said, well, I'm going to run against you even though I'm going to lose because you, then, that way you won't get 80%. In fact, you might get 60%, but you won't get 67% because if you do, your tribe can change the Constitution. That's what the Constitution says. Any party that gets two-thirds of the vote, you can change the Constitution. And that's exactly what happened. Butelezi ran. Mandela won. 64% of the vote. And there was a peaceful election. And we watched on TV, and I even drove around town and saw people. It was supposed to be a one- or two-day election. It was a week. Some people stood in line three days to vote. And when I talked to people there who had never voted in their life, 40, 50, 60-year-old men and women, I said, why is this so important to you? They said, because today, not only do I know I'm somebody, but everybody knows I'm somebody. When Mandela and Butelezi were interviewed about how did this peaceful election come about, they gave the credit to Washington Okomo. And they said, why did, why did that, what difference did he make? They said, well, three things. We'd had all these people from Europe and U.S. coming over here trying to tell us what to do. When they all went away, Okomo got us together, and we trusted him for three reasons. First, he's a fellow African. He understands our situation. Second, he was a friend. They had both met Okomo at the Washington Prayer Breakfast in Washington, D.C., 20 years earlier. He was not a new person. And third, they said, he's our brother in Christ. See, that's what God does on the big scale. There's violence, okay, I, you know, undeniable. The same month they had a peaceful election, in South Africa, that was the same month, April 1994, that the beginning of the genocide started in Rwanda, only 1,000 miles away. 
So we're not here to say everything's going to work out right. Well, it is in eternity. But that's all. Between now and then, we've got to trust the Lord. Whether you're in Rwanda or you're in Williamson County or you're in Nashville or you're in wherever you are. And he gives us just the encouragement we need, whether it's a little thing about a day of grief and birth in our family, or it's a big thing, like who's the president of the country. You may not like the president of the country. I don't like him myself. But there's a lot of people who didn't like Mandela. But when we got to meet him, I don't know if I told you this, we, yeah, yeah, I'll, and then I, I, don't worry, I'm, I'll turn this microphone off and give it back to the ladies. <laughs> The reason we got to meet Mandela is because a pastor that went through basically the Apollos training that we trained, he was, I didn't know this till later, he was the chaplain at Robin Island. And Mandela came to the Bible study and told him when he was in prison, Pastor, when I get out of prison, I'm coming to your church. Well, two, three years later, I mean, who would think the president would keep his word what a shock. That pastor calls me and says, hey, Larry, uh, would you like to meet Mandela? I'm like, uh, yeah. <laughs> he said, well, his people just called me, and he's coming to my church tomorrow. And he said I could bring some friends. So I said, can I bring my family? He said, sure. So Mary was there, my oldest son, Ed. Paul was there. In fact, Paul spoke to Mandela on the way out. He was in elementary school, and Nelson Mandela bent down on his knee, looked Paul right in the eye, and shook his hand, and said, Paul, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy day to come and see me. And Paul said, No problem, Mr. Mandela. I don't like school anyway. <laughs> That's amazing. What a precious memory. <laughs> That's, a, that's amazing. Wow. Wow. So, Mary, bring us up to speed. You all have, um, you were telling me in the back that for the last 25 years, you have gone to South Africa every year, which is amazing to me. Um, Chris got to go with you all to Africa first. Larry, he got to go to um, Darfur with you when a, a plane load of supplies, Strong Tower, was supporting and Larry's take on this, Chris, is that you got up in church and said, Strong Tire is blessed to help send a plane load of supplies, and I'm going with Larry to Africa. And Larry said he turned to Mary and said, oh, well, I guess I need to go because he wasn't planning to go. But you got up in church <laughs> and said didn't he didn't want to go on that trip. Hey, listen, I don't, I don't want to go. So if he got, it's, South Africa is her fault and Darfur is his fault. <laughs> So if anybody has any hesitation, you're in good company, right? But I'll never forget you, you getting to go over there um, and be there and just to witness the beauty of God, the beauty of, of God's creation um, and come back and share about that. And then a few years later, um, your second trip with Larry was to Cape Town and to Malawi. And uh, again, just the beauty of um, seeing the work of God. Um, and it's, it's been such a joy every time he's come back to hear um, how God is using your ministry 
Strong Tower haven't been able to be a part of supporting that for many years now. Um, but Mary, bring us up to speed with um, what your work looks like today and um, some of the need that our body could know about so that we could um, partner in prayer with that. Okay, well, I'll let Larry do um, the bulk of this, but uh, always personal support. Um, we also have started working in Madagascar. Um, we were just last fall um, there in South Africa in January, and we were at a missions conference at one of the largest churches in Madagascar, and there were 106 missionaries, most of them women, who are training as missionaries to go out um, for two weeks at a time, two by two, and then after their training is complete, they will go live in one of the 200 villages that have been identified in Madagascar that are unreached, no gospel presence. Um, so that was very exciting. Uh, so Madagascar is one of our needs, and we have um, our pastors are, when they start the training, are given a Bible. And recently, Larry has worked out to give them uh, the Africa Study Bible, and he'll tell you more about that, but they, the, the men and women that we're training have been very excited about mm -hmm. these study Bibles, and we need funds to um, provide those for the students, yes. the, the community and pastors that we train. Yes. Yes, the Africa Study Bible, you were telling yeah. me about this, yeah. and how we can help support getting this study Bible in the hands of these leaders, which for us to think about, we go to Barnes & Noble to Lifeway. Most of us have several Bibles um, in our possession. But to think about these beautiful men and women who are leading, who um, are giving their lives away in service to the Lord and what an Africa Study Bible means to them and to their work, that to me seems so easy. Like I think every person in here could fund an Africa Study Bible. So show it to us and then tell yeah. us how we yeah. can do that. Even though um, these are mostly pastors and church leaders, most of them do not have any Bible. So coming through this training is when they are able to receive a Bible. Yeah, let me ask. How many of you have some kind of study Bible of any kind? Raise your hand. Okay. All right. In Africa, which, as you may know, that's the population center of our faith. There are more Christians between the equator and Cape Town than any other geographical place in the world. And for these men and women, and yes, a lot of the church leaders and pastors are men, but if it weren't for the women, the African church, I don't know how it would exist. When we went to that missionary training school in Madagascar, 106 people, and 60 of them were women. And these are women who are willing to take off a couple of years after a couple of years training to go to an unreached people group. So, this, but the, the unique thing about this study Bible is, is this the first one ever where all the notes in there are written by Africans? There is, there's not a European-influenced study Bible. It's not an American study Bible. It was all, that's how I got involved. They called me and asked me for reference of who are some people, Africans. Because Africans don't need anybody else to interpret the Bible for them. You know, the Bible went to, the, the gospel went to Ethiopia way before it ever went to Europe or anywhere else. So we thank the Lord. I mean, these, these, are, these are 20 bucks, okay? Uh, in, in the bookshops in 
South Africa, Ghana, Kenya, they're 50 bucks. But I can get them for 20 bucks because I buy them by the thousands uh, as the Lord provides funds. So that's a great way that we can give it to the pastors to start their training. And I also say that, you know, even though Mary and I don't actually go and work among unreached people groups, we're not your traditional missionary. Yes, we lived in Africa for 12 years. But our goal in each country was to connect with the local body of Christ, identify local intelligence and spiritual maturity. They didn't need anything from me. But as we grew in that partnership, I found that, well, if we can provide funds for a medical clinic or for a, like this right, what I'm holding in my hand is this happened just this year. We're talking to the pastor of this church in Madagascar about the, his school of mission. And I said, what else do you need besides this training? He said, well, our people have already translated the New Testament into two languages that have never in 2,000 years ever been translated. And I said, now, Pastor, you know I'm going to check this out. He said, I'm gonna, I said, I'm going to call the London Bible Society and Wycliffe. And he said, go ahead. I already did. It's on their list, but they hadn't gotten to it. And we got people in our church that can translate it. So this, he said, so I need money to print. So to print the first 1,000 copies of this New Testament for 1.3 million people who've never had the New Testament was only $5,000. So I thought, well, I can do that. And then he showed me another one. He's a pretty good salesman. I don't know how many more he's got. But uh, <laughs> I told him, I said, let's just hold on right there. And I, <laughs> but the point is, the thing you can do is pray. Uh, you can go. We have mission trips. Uh, I have an associate uh, that I work with. He's doing more in uh, Nepal, India, Bhutan. We've started classes outside of Africa. He's taking a group of people to Singapore in April, and then uh, he'll be going to Kenya in, uh, in uh, June. I might go if there's some strong people, strong tower people want to go, and uh, sometime we'll go to South Africa. But it funds for training church leaders, and then also we sponsor, by God's grace, about 400 kids. These are orphans in, in our business called OBC, Orphans and Vulnerable Children. These are kids in the communities where the church leaders have said, Somebody's got to pay these kids school fees. And so we also raise money for that. And finally, I'd just like to say thank you to Strong Power because you guys have been supporting us for I, probably 20 years. I mean, it was a long time ago. You know when the Darfur, I mean, that was $50,000 that was given to send food and supplies and tents and Bibles to Darfur. Yeah, yeah and Chris went. And uh, so whether it's Bibles or it's meeting physical needs uh, or, or supporting us, I just want to say thank you to the church. Absolutely. Well, in keeping with what Elder Sherman said about investing in eternity, like we are a Bible church. That's part of our name, Strong Tower Bible Church. And so, you know, in honor of our children's next birthday or our next birthday or just because we want to help build the body of Christ, and we understand that if leaders are trained and have their own copy, like it's astounding to me, to face the realization in 2019 that there are still people around the world um, and pastors who are seen as the, the 
the voice of authority, that they do not have their own copy of the word of God. So $20 to be able to help provide that is easy for almost everyone in here. Um, that's just giving up lunch. Um, it, like I said, in honor of our children's next birthday, we're going to give a Bible to a brother and sister in Africa so that they can um, be blessed by the word of God and by the study tools of people who are also of African descent. Like how powerful is that? Now, I will say that some of us, after we've blessed with a Bible or two, some of us might need to get a copy of this for ourselves too so that we can enrich our faith and enrich um, our study of the word of God and um, get out of our Western context. But I'm going to leave that to the side and just say we might want to get some of those for ourselves too. But first and foremost for our brothers and sisters. Um, so, Larry, you've said April. There's a trip to Singapore. For those of you who are thinking about how can I go um, June to Nairobi, Kenya, um, um, for this leadership conference, um, and then South Africa possibly again this year, and then just annually, there are always trip opportunities. So website, leadershipinternational.org. Leadership, I-N-T-L. Yeah, leadership, I-N-T-L, dot org. So um, if you want to know more about the work that Larry and Mary are doing, if you want to follow their blog, um, leadership, I-N-T-L, dot org. Um, and then also sponsoring these, these sweet children, um, helping pay their school fees, um, the Christian education that they're receiving, discipleship, basic needs, $40 a month for one child. So, again, that is another way that some of us can join in their work. Um, knowing that the Apollos Training Institute that they are taking the leaders through is the same Apollos Training Institute that we are going through. And so you were telling us that some of these um, – Leaders are walking miles to come to the leadership training. So we are getting in our car, have the opportunity to get in our air-conditioned, heated cars and drive and come get the same training that they are getting around the world, which is astounding. So family, um, they are one of us. They are a part of us. Um, when we invest in eternity, invest in the eternal work that God is using them to do, we're not all going to get to go. But some of us can. And so I want to plant that seed for some of our teenagers, for some of us adults who've not um, considered what it would look like to see the work that God is doing around the world. I want to plant that seed um, for that to be something for you to pray about. Um, you can go with lots of organizations around the country, but there's something special about going with someone that is your brother and sister that you break bread with, that you worship with at church. Um, you've heard their heart. You've heard Larry preach. Um, you can trust the work that God is using them to do. So I want to plant that seed um, for some of our young ones and parents. If your children say, I want to talk about this, I pray that you will encourage that because God will do great things in the lives of your children. And better yet, go together. How about some of our families join you all on a trip? Um, and then as our church supports them, um, you've heard them share some of those specific ways. And so my prayer is that many of us will go to their website today, Leadership INTL. I'm continuing to give a plug because I believe that we should support our own um, and that we can um, be a part of investing, as Elder Sherman said, investing in the work that God has called them to do. Um, any closing thoughts? Anything else that you want to just share with us before Chris comes up and closes us in prayer? You want to share that other scripture or uh, not? Uh, we got so, you know, I, I will say that it's, our walk has been 
thank the Lord, motivated by his word. Mary and I had a, a real spiritual renewal in our own lives. When I was still in business and she was working at the Sumner County Mental Health Center, okay, like I said, we were 40 years old, or I was. She's much, much younger than me, but, uh, uh, you know, that's where it started. When we started looking at what does the Bible say about the poor, the spiritually poor and the materially poor, and asking ourselves, am I supposed to be in a closer proximity to people in need? And it started right here in Nashville, and then 10 trips to Haiti before I ever went to Africa. So God's in the journey with you. Just honor his word. Don't be afraid. Uh, if you want to know more about us, uh, we're going to put some literature out right down here, and you can have a look. We also fund translations of the Apollos training. We've got it here in Amharic for Ethiopia. we got it in the Nepali language, and we had someone fund translating it all into Malagasy, the national language of Madagascar. So that's what we do. This is who we are, and uh, we appreciate the family here. Thank you. We love you guys. Let's give a hand. Amen. Amen. As you remain standing uh, as we receive the benediction, Isaiah 52, verse 7 says, How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him and her who bring good news, who proclaim peace, who bring glad tidings of good things, who proclaim salvation, who say to Zion, Your God reigns. How beautiful are the feet of the missionaries, of the men and women who proclaim the good news and proclaim that God reigns in situations where people begin to wonder if there even is a God. How beautiful are the feet. I see one of my elders who just got back from Ethiopia, Elder Tyler, who was so delighted to go and to use his medical gifting and his knowledge to teach on the quote-unquote mission field. Everywhere we go is the mission field. Uh, but some of us are called to go outside of these particular confines. And um, people who go to other people, their feet are not only beautiful, but they are so beautiful themselves. And I know firsthand about these folks. Um, I've literally put my life in Larry's hands a couple of times because I trust him and I trust the God that he serves. And he's such a delightful man. I not only love him, but I like him. How many missionaries, you know, do you like? Because some of them can hit you real hard with the spill and guilt trip you. But to hear a missionary say, I didn't want to go. If that doesn't help set us free, that again, in his weakness, he could be honest with God. Even this last time to go to South Africa, he did not want to go. But he listened to the Lord and went, and they had a wonderful time. I can relate to people like that. And uh, he didn't tell you this story, but I believe one of the reasons they didn't want to go back 
because you guys were held at gunpoint. Was it in Nairobi or in South Africa? In Nairobi. And, uh, man, but they face their fears. That's what courage is. You face your fear. You don't run from it. You face it even when you're afraid. And in the midst of it, God gives you the power through the Holy Ghost. And um, it's just so refreshing. And what this man of God and this woman of God did not tell you is that on Friday, his 83, 86, 90, 93 year old mother went to be home with Jesus, uh, passed away in her sleep. And uh, he leaves out either today or tomorrow, tomorrow uh, to go to North Carolina to be with the family. But what a legacy. She is a woman of God. Not was. She is more alive now than she ever was. She's in the presence of Jesus. And she is a great woman who raised a great son, two great sons. And uh, what a privilege. You know, when I heard the, the Mandela story, I was like, wow. I know someone that knew Nelson Mandela. Wow. But I know someone that, as Nelson Mandela knelt down towards you, Nelson Mandela got to meet Larry and Mary Warren. And that's my friend. Wow. How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel. Well, next week, Strong Tower, we begin a new focus. And we're going to talk about the abounding grace of God. And how God redeems our mistakes. We all make them. We all have moments where we struggle, where we fail, where we let God down. But by his grace, he continues to bless us and use us in spite of ourselves. So the abounding grace of God, I'm excited about preaching about grace. Because that's what we just heard. Grace with the Afrikaans to be able to forgive, to be able to see apartheid come down. Grace, the Holy Spirit working behind the scenes. And if you want to see him work behind the scenes in your life, join me in prayer right now. God, we are so thankful that we have you. We're more grateful that you have us. That you would use people like us to proclaim such a powerful and delicate and beautiful message, the gospel of Jesus, the message that sets the captives free, that sets us free. Thank you, Lord, uh, for using not only beautiful feet, but feet that are clay, made of clay. But I thank you, O oh God, that your grace, your mercy, that you allow us to do these things, to touch great things and to see great things and to do great things. To you belong all the glory, the majesty, and the honor. And I pray, God, that this church, uh, because much has been given to us, much is required of us, thank you, Lord, that we've been able to help out a little bit over the last 20 years. But, God, we want to do more. I lift up Agrippa and Benson and all the other guys and uh, young guys that I was able to meet on the field in Africa. Thank you for how they impacted my life and the life of this church. Thank you that you're a global God. You're a local God. 
You're a personal God. Thank you for the same message that saves sinners and sets us free. I pray that you would bless this church to be more involved in giving away our faith in doing evangelism and meeting felt needs. I pray, Lord, that Larry and Mary would get several $20 gifts so that men and women of God can get the Bible. I pray, God, that it will be like a giving tree that we'll be able to see many, many people get the word. So would you bless this ministry? Thank you, Lord, for Mary being cancer-free for one year. We thank you, God, for just how you've ordered their steps, and you'll continue to do that. And again, what a privilege and an honor for them to take up their lot in this church for such a time as this. They are our friends, and I'm honored to be their pastor. And so, Lord, I pray a blessing upon them that they do not have room enough to receive in the name of Jesus. Bless them for blessing your people. Thank you for taking care of them. And now unto him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ever ask or think. And it's according to the power, the dunamis, the dunatos that is at work within us. To him be all the glory, the majesty, the dominion, and the power both now and forevermore. And all of God's people said, amen, amen. Put some $20 bills in this man's hand. Come bless them and encourage them. Have a blessed day in the Lord.